Hello and welcome to this Memory Tube Timeline Quiz. My name is Francis Walsingham and I'll be your host for the next half an hour. The prize today is a treasure ship full of gold. You may be listening to this because it's linked to one of our new timelines that are aligned to GCSE history courses. Or you may simply be interested in history and this might sound like an interesting topic. If you're listening as part of your GCSE course, then remember to pop back and listen regularly and you'll be amazed what starts sticking. If you do this in conjunction with Sprock's History Quiz app, available in the Play Store and our Memory Tube videos on YouTube, I guarantee you'll be an expert within a week. If you're new to these podcasts, the idea of our podcasts are threefold. Firstly, to test your knowledge of a timeline from history by asking if you can remember when things happened. See if you can remember the correct date or use your history knowledge to get reasonably close. Secondly, we want to test your wider knowledge by asking you multiple choice questions about some of the events on the timeline. And finally, we want to share the tricks and methods we use at Scintilla HQ to remember timelines so we have them stored in our memories to to whip out at any time and impress the neighbours, our teachers or absolutely nail an exam. Today's timeline is about the early Elizabethan reign in England and the interactions with the wider world and Europe. If you'd like to keep some sort of score along the way, then grab a pen and paper. When you're spot on the year, give yourself 10 points. If you're within a decade, give yourself 5 points. And if you're in the correct century, give yourself a point. Shouldn't be too hard because most of this happened in the 16th century. If you're driving, I probably wouldn't worry about the score. So, one last thing before we begin. The questions are in chronological order, which may help. And unlike any other quiz we know, we will occasionally jump back to earlier questions and see whether the tips we have given to help you remember it more easily will help. A little bit of space repetition sprinkled in for good measure. As this is also aligned to some listeners' GCSEs, we may stop and reflect on the significance of certain dates along the way. In this timeline, we've included a few dates outside the Elizabethan era, as we feel they give you a little more context. Okay, so let's get started. Question number one, when was the Battle of Bosworth? Okay, and that was in 1485. You will probably have heard of this battle. Most primary schools have taught it and still teach it as part of their Tudor topic. Um, This was the battle that made Henry VII the King of England. So here's your first question about the Battle of Bosworth. Who did Henry VII defeat at the Battle of Bosworth? And that was Richard III. And your second question, Richard III was a member of which noble house? And the answer to that is the House of Lancaster, because it was the War of the Roses between the House of York and the House of Lancaster, which ended at the Battle of Bosworth with Henry VII becoming the King of England. Okay, how do I remember that? Well, I remember that with the saying, Richard III fights and loses. So Richard fights and loses. Um, and I take the R, the F and the L off Richard fights and loses. And I use something, if you're new to this podcast, um, I often use the major mnemonic method. All that does is says that some numbers and letters look similar. So R, a capital R looks like a four reversed. A swirly written F ends up looking like an eight. And an L is a Roman numeral for five. So for me, R's are always fours, F's are always eight, and L's are always five. So Richard fights and loses. I've got four, eight, five, 1485. Okay, so here's your second question. When was the reign of Henry VII? 
Okay, and that was from 1485, surprisingly, to 1509. Um, I remember that because I go from the Battle of Bosworth, so Richard fights and loses, to Henry VIII. And I always think of, oh no, here comes trouble. Oh no, zero nine. Okay, because no is nine in German. So I get O is a zero and nine in German. So I get O nine. So I've got Richard fights and loses and oh no, here comes trouble, zero nine. So I get 1485 to 1509. So Henry VII became the first Tudor king of England. Here's a question. Henry VII was the last monarch to gain the crown by... Which means... Yep, you guessed it. He was the last English king to actually defeat his competitor in battle and take the crown. Okay, let's move on. Number three on the timeline. When was the beginning of the Reformation? Okay, and that was in 1517. I remember this simply as many churches severing their ties with the Pope. Severing sounds like 17. So I know, and I know it happened in the 16th century. So 1517, severing the ties with the Pope. Um, the Reformation was a major movement within Western Christianity in 16th century Europe that posed a religious and political challenge to the Catholic Church, and in particular to the authority of the Pope. Okay, so the Reformation was a major movement within Western Christianity in 16th century Europe that posed a religious and political challenge to the Catholic Church, in particular to the authority of the Pope. The Reformation came about because people had been disillusioned with the Catholic Church, mainly because what they saw were errors and discrepancies, and it was the start of Protestantism in Northern Europe. Okay, so let's go on to our next thing on the timeline, our next date. When was the reign of Henry VIII? And that was 1509 to 1547. So I can use the 09 or 09, here he comes um, from the last mnemonic um, about Henry VII. But I also have another one for this one, just in case. So I have a mnemonic image to remember the lifespan. Uh, On his deathbed, he's telling the Archbishop of Canterbury that he is worried that he's not going to go to heaven after falling out with the Pope. And the Archbishop says, oh no, I'm sure you're destined for heaven. The O no is the O nine, destined for heaven, is the four the four heaven bit sounds like four seven. So I've got O no four heaven, zero nine, four seven. Okay, um, we all learned about Henry VIII at school, so I wonder if you can answer a few questions about him. Question one: How many wives did Henry VIII have? Okay, and the answer is six, and the next one. Which of his wives had children? Okay, we've got Catherine of Aragon had Henry, who died, and Mary, who became Mary I. Jane Seymour had Edward, who became Edward VI. And Anne Boleyn had Elizabeth, who became Elizabeth I. I mean, they're by no means the only children he had, but he only acknowledged one child who was born outside of wedlock, and that was another Henry, who became Henry, Duke of Richmond. And the final question about Henry VIII, what church did Henry VIII found? And you guessed it, it's the Church of England. Okay, let's move on. Now we're getting into the Elizabethan era. So 
Number five on the timeline, do you know the lifespan of Elizabeth I of England? Okay, uh, that was from 1533 to 1603. I remember this because I know Elizabeth I lived for 70 years, so that grand old age. And I have a mnemonic image from my, in my brain of when she was born. The incredible Elizabeth I could already speak. She couldn't, but I made that up. And she says, Mummy, as she comes out. And the two M's in the middle remind me of 33. So 1533, and she lived for 70 years. So that helps me remember the lifespan of Elizabeth I. Okay, next one on the timeline. Okay, so now number six on the timeline. When did the first Witchcraft Act define witchcraft as a crime? Okay, and that was in 1542. This is not such a crucial date on this timeline, um, but I've added it because I want to remind people how superstitious the Elizabethans were. In fact, on his circumnavigation of the world, Sir Francis Drake executed Thomas Doughty for being a sorcerer. So there was a lot of superstition in Elizabethan England. Okay, on to the seventh thing on the timeline. When was the reign of Edward VI? Okay, and that was from 1547 to 1553. And I just remember that as being from the end of the reign of Henry VIII to the start of Mary I. So as long as I can remember the, those two reigns, I can put Edward VI in the middle. Okay, next one on the timeline. Um, when was football banned by Edward VI? And that was in 1548, one year after the start of his reign. I don't worry about remembering that date too much. It's not crucial again. Um, but it's more to remind us that football was played back in Tudor times. Okay, here's a question. Why do you think Edward VI banned football? Well, the fact that it was banned tells us that it was probably a little different to the modern game. Football generally consisted of hundreds of men and boys trying to get some sort of ball by any means to a post or goal, which often ended up in mass brawls and general violence between two neighbouring villages, things like that. It's said that um, actually Edward VI ordered a pair of leather shoes to play football in. We don't know if he actually played in any of these football matches, but for a short period it was banned because it led to so much violence. Okay, on to the next one on the timeline. Number nine, when was Ket's Rebellion? When was Ket's Rebellion? Okay, and that was in 1549. Now, I know this because, and I remember this, because if you think of the date 1549, the word rebellion has R and a B, the first two letters you ignore the, the vowels when you're doing the major mnemonic method so the r is a four and the b if you rotate it is a nine so the r the r and b from rebellion gives me the four nine and just remember it's kett's rebellion i imagine a kettle with rebel scratched onto it being used by kett in his rebel campsite outside norwich and this helps me link the date to the name kett so i've got a kettle with the word rebel written on the side of it Okay, so Kett's Rebellion was a revolt in Norfolk. 
It was during the reign of Edward VI and largely in response to the enclosure of land. It began with a group of rebels destroying fences that had been put up by wealthy landowners in the area. One of their targets was the yeoman Robert Kett, but he didn't actually resist the rebels. He agreed to their demands and offered to lead them. When the rebellion finally ended uh, after they'd captured Norwich and then were defeated, Kett was hanged from the walls of Norwich. So here's a question. Why was the enclosure of land so controversial? Okay, in Tudor times, people still farmed small strips of land owned by the local landowner and often also used common land to graze their animals and collect firewood. When the landowners started enclosing their land, it meant that the land was no longer common land and could not be used by the poorer peasants. The enclosed land was more efficient to farm and was often worth more. Enclosing led to a lot of hardship and therefore a lot of protests. Okay, number 10 on the timeline. When was the book The Art of Navigation published in English? And that was in 1551. I remember that by either remembering it's a travel book, so let's travel or learn to travel. And the L and the T from let's travel are the five and the one, the L being the Roman numeral for five and T having just one downstroke, one descender or ascender. So that represents number one in the major mnemonic system. Okay, this was an important book and it was so important it was actually used by explorers such as Martin Frobisher and Sir Francis Drake. So my question is, why do you think the art of navigation was so important to Elizabethan explorers? So the book simply taught English sailors how to plot their course when they were out of sight of land. And this then enabled them to navigate confidently across the Atlantic Ocean and beyond and start competing with Spanish and Portuguese sailors. It's no good finding a rich new land if you cannot find your way home again. So there it is. Number 11 on the timeline. When was the reign of Mary I? And Mary I, or Bloody Mary, reigned from 1553 to 1558. I remember this because after Mary died, Elizabeth was free to act. So I'll have three to eight, because it's a bit like acht in German. It's eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht. So three to acht, um, free to act. Okay, here's a question. What religion was Mary I? And yep, she was Catholic. And why was she nicknamed Bloody Mary? And that's because she spent her reign persecuting Protestants and trying to undo all the reformations of Henry VIII and Edward VI. And the third question, why was she unpopular with the English? Okay, well, she was unpopular with English Protestants because she was persecuting them, but also she was unpopular because she married um, Philip, Prince Philip of Spain, who was the heir to the Spanish Empire, and he was a Catholic, and people of England didn't really fancy becoming um, ruled by Spain. So that was another reason she was unpopular with the English. Okay, next one on the timeline, number 12. When was Wyatt's Rebellion? Okay. And that was in 1554. 
Wyatt's rebellion showed the level of anger at Mary's intention to marry the King of Spain and make England a devout Catholic country again. The rebellion aimed to stop Mary marrying Philip as they did not want the Pope as the head of the English church and were worried that England would end up just being ruled by Spain. The rebellion never really got off the ground and Wyatt and some of the other conspirators were hanged. Now, we've gone far enough down the timeline for a minute. We're going to whip back and see if you can remember any of the previous dates using any of the, the mnemonics that we've used so far. So let's go straight back to the start of the timeline. And can you remember when the Battle of Bosworth was? Hopefully you remember Fit Richard Fights and Loses, RFL, R's a four, F, squirrely F is an eight, and the L is a Roman numeral for five, 1485. Okay, when was the reign of Henry VII? So that's from the Battle of Bosworth, Richard Fights and Loses, 1485, to, oh no, here comes trouble, oh no, zero nine. So 1485 to 1509. And finally, can you remember when the beginning of the Reformation was? And do you remember the churches severing their ties? Severing 17, 1517. Um, should we do another one? And uh, let's jump on. Oh, what about the lifespan of Elizabeth I of England? Remember that baby that could speak when it was born? So Elizabeth popped out, said, Mummy, that remembers the MM, two M's on their side look like threes. So 1533, and I know she lived for 70 years, so 1603. Okay, let's get back to the timeline and number 13 on the timeline. Okay, so we just had Wyatt's Rebellion in 1554 against the idea of Mary and Philip uh, marrying. So how long did, for what period really, did Philip II of Spain rule alongside Mary Tudor? Okay, and that's from 1554 to 1558. I remember that because I think he was fortunate to be the King of England, 428. So 1554 to 1558, 428, fortunate. Uh, Mary did decide to marry Philip because he was the heir to the Spanish throne and vast swathes of Europe and the New World, and she thought that would be good for England. The government at the time wanted her to marry someone English, so it wasn't a popular choice. Uh, Mary died in 1558, so then Philip no longer was the King of England and the threat, the crown passed on to Elizabeth. So, next question then on the timeline, number 14. When was the reign of Elizabeth I? Okay, that was 1558 to 1603. Um, I remember this one partly because I know the lifespan of Elizabeth I and also I know that Philip II was ruled alongside Mary until 1558 because of the fortunate. Okay. Um, I know she reigned for 45 years and that she was free to act at the end of Queen Mary's reign, 328. So I've got all those mnemonics working together to really implant 1558 as an important date in my mind. Okay. Um, next, we're on to question 15, a really important moment in Elizabethan England. When did the religious settlement happen? And that was in 1559, a year after Elizabeth came to the throne. I remember this just from the words loosen 
Protestantism. So the loosening of Protestantism or the relaxing of the rules on the church um, so that Catholics and Protestants could get on together. Um, Elizabeth inherited a realm that had been through tumultuous religious reform under Henry VIII and then Edward VI, with the country embracing Protestantism. Then for five years, Mary I tried to undo all those reforms and make England a Catholic country again, so a reformation. And England was a mess and people of all religions were worried and nervous. So here's the question number one. What was the religious settlement? Okay, and it was a policy whereby both Protestants and Catholics um, could tolerate each other and their ways of worship in England by creating a uniform way of worshipping that both could follow. England became a Protestant country, but because elements from both religions were incorporated into the new reforms, the majority of English Catholics and Protestants were happy to comply. Okay, here's another question. What language did Bibles have to be in? Yep, they had to be in English. And what other book was compulsory in all churches? And that was the new book of common prayer. And the next question, how did Elizabeth get around the different wording for services in Protestant and Catholic churches? Okay, to make sure that everyone felt they could follow the, the ways of worship, they just left the new wording very vague so that everyone could accept it. Okay, let's march on down the timeline. Number 16 on the timeline. When did King Philip II of Spain propose to Elizabeth I? Yep, that was in 1559. So not long after the death of his wife Mary I of England, King Philip II of Spain proposed to Elizabeth. So I remember this with the mnemonic for me, the love of Philip. So it's the love of Philip. L equals five and P equals nine. Um, so that's how I remember 59. Now, question, who had Philip II of Spain recently been married to? I've just said it. Yep, Mary I of England, Elizabeth's half-sister. And the next question, was it a problem that Elizabeth didn't marry during her reign? Yeah, absolutely, it caused a succession problem as she had no heir. Elizabeth was worried that if she married, she would lose her power because her husband would be king and would rule in her stead. It was also thought by some that she was in love with Robert Dudley. OK, let's move on. So we'll do one more and then we're going to nip back down the timeline and see what we can remember. So number 17, when was the Treaty of Edinburgh? OK, the Treaty of Edinburgh was in 1560. I remember this because the armies had to go and the go, the G is a six because it looks like a six um, if you spin it around a bit and the O is an O. So I just remember it is go on the end. Uh, so question, which armies left Scotland after the Treaty of Edinburgh? And that was the French and the English. And the next question, why were French armies in Scotland before the Treaty of Edinburgh? And this was because the young Mary Queen of Scots was married to the French heir. OK, so the French troops were there to help bolster the Scottish um, throne. 
the Treaty of Edinburgh greatly reduced the chance of an attack from Catholic Scotland. This was important because Mary Queen of Scots had a strong claim to the English throne because her grandmother was actually Henry VIII's sister, Margaret Tudor. So the Treaty of Edinburgh greatly reduced that threat. OK, so we said we popped back down the timeline. So can you remember the year of the Battle of Bosworth? And Richard fights and loses. RFL, R's 4, F is 8, L is 5, 1485. OK, we'll jump on a little bit this time. Can you remember the beginning of the Reformation? Can you remember the churches severing the links? Severing 17, 15, 17. Jump forward a bit further. Can you remember when Ket's Rebellion was? The one in Norfolk, which was about the Enclosure Act. Can you remember the kettle? There's a kettle with rebel scratched on it. The R is 4 and the B is 9. Helps you remember 49. So, Ketz Rebellion, 1549. And we jump forward a bit more. What about the reign of Mary I, or Bloody Mary? Do you remember that after Mary died, Elizabeth was free to act, three to acht in German, and that's three to eight, so 1553 to 1558. Okay, we'll skip on a little bit further down the timeline. What about when King Philip II of Spain proposed to Elizabeth I? Remember the love of Philip, the L and the P, the L is a 5 and the P is a 9. So 1559, just one year into her reign. OK, let's go back down the timeline. We've just done the Treaty of Edinburgh in 1560. This is early on in Elizabeth I's reign. She's got threats from all sides. Obviously, there's Mary, Queen of Scots in Scotland. There's the with allied with the French. Um, so the Catholic countries are all kind of looking towards England and thinking about what they can do. And Elizabeth's very much feeling under threat as a new queen. So something else happens other than the Treaty of Edinburgh to help and take the pressure off Elizabeth. And that was the beginning of the French Wars of Religion. So number 18 on the timeline. When did the French Wars of Religion begin? And that was in 1562. I have a funny image of a Frenchman called Jean-Paul fighting Pierre with baguettes. So they're two names from the French language books I used at school, Jean-Paul and Pierre. And Jean is a J. Uh, J, a bit like a G, is a 6. And an N has two downstrokes, so that's a 2. So it reminds me 62. So Jean um, has the J and the N. So I remember Jean. So, who was fighting in the French Wars of Religion? And that's the Catholics and Protestants, the Protestants who were referred to as Huguenots. And the next question, why were the French Wars of Religion good for Elizabeth? And simply because it meant that it was unlikely that the French would attack England or support a Scottish invasion because they were far too busy fighting each other over religion in their own country. Now we're going to move back and focus a bit more on England. So number 19 on the timeline. When was the first Elizabethan poor law brought in? And that was in 1563. I've got a memorable mnemonic about a man called Jim who was tucked off his strip of farmland and was then wandering from village to village before he was stopped and whipped and had a hole burnt through his ear. So I've got this guy Jim 
the J and the M, J is a six and the M is three, 63. So I just remember poor old Jim. Um, there were many poor, more poor people in Elizabethan England due to a massive increase in the population, but no real increase in food production in the country. This meant food prices rose really sharply and many people were pushed into poverty. Changes to land use, such as enclosing large farms, which we mentioned earlier, and getting rid of small subsistence farmers also increased the amount of homeless and jobless poor. Henry VIII had abolished the monasteries, which has historically been instrumental in helping the poor. So basically there was less support in England for those in need. So my first question is, um, the, the Elizabethan poor were split into which three categories? Okay, you've got the helpless poor, the undeserving poor, and the deserving poor. Okay, and then my following question is, how were the undeserving poor treated by Elizabethans? And if you remember poor old Jim, um, they could be whipped and they could even have a hole burnt through their ear to show that they were um, wandering from village to village and they were generally sent back to the village they came from and told to stay there. Um, they could also be imprisoned and executed. So pretty tough on the poor back in those times. Okay, so number 20 on our timeline. When was the beginning of the 80 Years' War? Okay, and that was in 1566. So I don't actually have a mnemonic for this one. I couldn't think of one. So if you can, please let us know. Uh, my first question was, who fought in the 80 Years' War? Okay, and that was the Spanish Empire against Dutch rebels in the newly founded Dutch uh, Republic. And my second question is, so why was this 80 years war good for England? And the reason for that is it kept the Spanish Empire busy at a time that they may have had eyes on Protestant England and it gave England a new ally in Europe. So pretty good for us. Okay, number 21 on the timeline. You may or may not have heard of this. When was the treasure crisis? Okay, uh, I, the treasure crisis was in 1568 and it occurred when two Spanish ships laden with gold took refuge from privateers and bad weather in British ports. Queen Elizabeth took the gold as it belonged to Italian bankers and treated it as a loan without really asking. Uh, the gold was actually bound for the Netherlands to pay Spanish troops and so this greatly annoyed the Spanish. Um, I remember this date because I think of loads of ships laden with pieces of eight or gold. So ships eight sounds a bit like six eight. So that helps me remember that one. Um, before we move on, I feel I need to talk a little bit about Mary, Queen of Scots. She's By this time in 1567, she'd abdicated as the Queen of Scotland, leaving her son James on the throne. Mary, Queen of Scots, became a real threat then to Elizabeth as she's now captive in an English castle and had a direct claim to the English throne. And from this point onwards, plots thicken and erupt over the next few years um, with people saying Mary, Queen of Scots, is a, a real chance to bring Catholicism back to England. So the next um, event on the timeline is when was the revolt of the Northern Earls or the Rising of the North? And that was in 1569. So my first question is, what religion were the Northern Earls who revolted? 
and they were Catholic. And next question, what were the aims of the plot before it turned into an open revolt? Okay, and the idea of the rising of the North was to get the Duke of Norfolk to marry Mary, Queen of Scots, and make Mary the heir to the throne. However, once the plot was actually discovered, the plotters decided they should revolt to save their skin. In the end, Mary and the Duke of Norfolk were pardoned, the Earl of Northumberland was captured and beheaded, and the Earl of Westmoreland fled to Flanders and died in poverty, and hundreds of Mary's supporters were executed. And I remember this, the rising of the North, or the revolt of the Northern Earls, because the Earl of Northumberland headed south with the Earl of Westmoreland. So I've got south and west near the end of that. South on the clock is six, and west is a nine, if you use a clock like a compass. So I get the 69 from the south and west. So the Earl of Northumberland headed south with the Earl of Westmoreland. South and west, six and nine. Okay, next one on the timeline, number 23. When was Queen Elizabeth I excommunicated by the Pope? And this was in 1570. I remember this with the word heavenly, sounding like 70, because it was a heavenly ban by the Pope. And so I remember the 70, 1570. Question is, why was being excommunicated by the Pope dangerous for Elizabeth I? Quite simply, if the Pope excommunicates a monarch, it means that their subjects no longer have to be loyal um, because they see the Pope is above the, the monarch. So it meant that her Catholic subjects no longer had to do what she said. And the Pope actually decided to excommunicate Elizabeth in the hope that it would embolden the rising of the North. Um, but it and money sent to help the rebels came a little too late. So the next one on our timeline, number 24, another plot... When was the Rodolfi plot? Okay, and that was in 1571. So, who was Roberto de Rodolfi? Yep, he was an Italian banker linked to the Pope, and actually been involved in the earlier plot as well. He encouraged people to plot again and help take messages around and funding. The aim was to assassinate Elizabeth and get Mary and uh, the Duke of Norfolk to marry. Unfortunately, Rodolfi told too many people about his plan and news got back to Elizabeth. Philip II of Spain had agreed to send troops to help the plot, but nothing came of it. So my question is, what happened to Mary and the Duke of Norfolk after this plot was uncovered? Well, this time round, it was the end of Norfolk. He was executed, but Mary was pardoned again. And I remember this one, the, the two main people are Rodolfi and Elizabeth I. Rodolfi has seven letters and she called Elizabeth I. There's a one. So I've got seven and one, 71. Okay, next one, number 25 on the timeline. When did Sir Francis Drake circumnavigate the globe? From when to when? Okay, and this was from 1577 to 1580. I know it is a three-year journey, and he sailed the seven seas, 70, helps me remember, 77. It's not the most accurate way of remembering it, but it helps me, the seven seas, 77. So, a question about Sir Francis Drake. Why was Drake's circumnavigation so important to Elizabethan England? And the answer is simply that the treasure that he brought back was worth more than England's annual income at the time. 
So England's coffers were refilled and it helped Elizabeth I pay off a lot of the debts built up by her father, Henry VIII. Let's move on to the next one on the timeline. Number 26, the Throckmorton plot. When was the Throckmorton plot? And that was in 1583. Um, like other plots, the aim was to release Mary, Queen of Scots, and make her Queen of England, supported by a Catholic invasion of England led by the French Duke of Guise. Sir Francis Throckmorton's plans were actually quickly uncovered, and the plan never came to fruition, and Throckmorton was executed the following year in 1584. Uh, so that's three plots so far we've dealt with against Elizabeth I. Um, I remember this one with the plan was Frogmorton free Mary for French marriage. FM, FM, FM. I remember F is an eight because of the curly F looks like an eight. And the M is a three so it looks like a three on its side. So I get um, the FMs from that mnemonic to help me remember it was 83. Okay, should we pop back and do a couple on the timeline so we can remember them? Can you remember the date of the Treaty of Edinburgh? Remember, the armies had to go. Go gives you six and zero, 1560. Uh, what about, can you remember when the French Wars of Religion began? Can you remember Jean-Paul fighting Pierre with baguettes? Got the word Jean, the J and the N. The J is a six, the N is a two. And can you remember dear old Jim and the first Elizabethan poor law? So Jim was wandering around from village to village. He got stopped, whipped and had a hole burnt through his ear. The word Jim, the J is a six, the M is a three, so 1563. Okay, let's whip back down the timeline then. And so we've looked at uh, so the explorer Sir Francis Drake. And now let's look at number 27. So Walter Raleigh, when did he send colonists to Roanoke? Okay, and that was in 1585. The English were desperate to start successful colonies in the New World and compete with the Spanish and the Portuguese. And so Walter Raleigh sent colonists to Roanoke to start a colony. But the colony failed. The question is, why did the colony fail? And the main reason was due to the underfunding and lack of regular supply visits from England. The first colony was actually abandoned after just one year and then it was resettled the following year in 1587. The next resupply didn't arrive until three years later in 1590, by which time the 121 inhabitants had totally vanished. OK, back into Europe. Uh, number 28 on the timeline. When was the Treaty of Nonsuch? And that was in 1585. I remember that because the word Dutch has five letters. Remembers it helps me remember it was 1585. And the treaty was basically provoked by the signing of the Treaty of Joinville in 1584 between Philip II of Spain and the Catholic League, in which Philip basically promised to finance the League. So this created a really strong Catholic alliance in Europe. So a Protestant England decided to help the Dutch Republic, which is also Protestant, and agreed to supply soldiers and cavalry to help them relieve the siege of Antwerp and to basically help fund their rebellion and help them fight against the Catholic powers in Europe. So, back into England again. More plotting. Number 29 on the timeline. When was the Babington plot? 
Okay, and that was in 1586. I have a lovely mnemonic for this one, um, but I'll tell you in a minute because it might answer one of the questions. So question number one, what were the aims of the Babington plot? Okay, and that was in 1586. I have a lovely mnemonic for this one, but I'll tell you in a minute because it will actually answer one of the questions. So first question, what were the aims of the Babington plot? Okay, and the aims were to assassinate Elizabeth and make Mary, Queen of Scots, the Queen of England. Second question, what was the name of Elizabeth's chief spy who uncovered the plot and trapped the conspirators, including Mary? And the answer is Francis Walsingham. And because of Walsingham, Queen Elizabeth had enough evidence against Mary, Queen of Scots, because she had coded letters that actually showed Mary's involvement in the plot. And Elizabeth finally agreed to execute Mary and remove a major threat to her rule. I remember the date of the Babington plot, because I remember that Francis Walsingham was the architect of the trap that caught the plotter, plotters and Mary, Queen of Scots. Architect... Um, sounds like Arch-Sex, which in German is eight and six. Arch-Sex, architect. Okay, that's that one. Now, we've just got a couple more on the timeline today. Next one is 30. When was Mary, Queen of Scots, beheaded? Okay, and that was in 1587 on the 8th of February. And I remember this as the year before another major event, which we'll deal with in a second. So here's my question. What were the political outcomes of executing Mary, Queen of Scots? Well, quite simply, it caused a heck of a lot of anger amongst European Catholics who saw her as a legitimate Catholic queen. OK, on to another event. Number 31. When was the singeing of the King of Spain's beard? OK, and that was in 1587 as well on the 12th of April it carried on for a while afterwards so the question is what was the singeing of the king of Spain's beard and this was a famous event where Sir Francis Drake led an attack on the Port of Cadiz and there were a load of ships in the harbour um, coming together to form an armada to attack England and Drake sunk loads of them second question what effect did the raid on Cadiz have on Philip II's invasion plans? And it delayed them by almost a year, so it had a massive effect. So as I said, I don't have a mnemonic for the beheading of Mary, Queen of Scots, or for the singeing of the King of Spain's beard. And that's because I remember they both happened one year before this event. So when was the attack of the Spanish Armada? And yep, that was in 1588, the year afterwards. And I remember this with the mnemonic of the two eights looking like a stack of cannonballs that were used on the ships in the battle. So I can remember 1588 really well. And I remember the other two events happened the year before and wound up Philip and the Catholics. And that kind of led to the Spanish Armada coming and trying to defeat England. Okay, question. What effect did the defeat of the Spanish Armada have on England? Okay, it removed the imminent threat of invasion and was great PR for Elizabeth and Protestantism. It seemed that God was on their side. And the second question, was this the only armada that was sent? 
and you could probably guess from me asking the question it wasn't. And there were actually two more armadas that came in the following years, uh, both unsuccessful. And finally, how many reasons can you name for the English victory of, the, of beating the Spanish Armada? You may come up with more than me. The English had faster, more manoeuvrable ships. The, there was unfavourable weather in the channel um, for the Spanish attack. And we had better captains. So that's the end of the quiz. Um, we've been through the early Elizabethan era. We've looked at the way that Elizabeth worked hard to make amends for the different changes to religion brought about by Henry VIII, by Edward VI, by Mary I. We've looked at the start of the age of exploration brought about by better navigational knowledge and then explorers going off around the world and starting to claim parts of the world for England. We started to look at how fortuitous events led to the pressure coming off England from Catholic nations such as France and Scotland. We looked at the pressures of the plots by Catholic um, earls and lords against Elizabeth and how these were kind of fueled by Mary, Queen of Scots, being imprisoned in England and how Elizabeth got through all of that and still remained monarch until 1603. It's a really good introduction to early as Elizabeth in England. Hopefully it will help you remember some of those important dates and you can build your knowledge on, on top of that. If you want to keep on exploring timelines, you can download our app from the Google Play Store, Sprock's History Quiz. And if you use the, use the code PODCAST19, you can play the early Elizabeth in England timeline for free. If you're interested in finding out more about how to have a better memory, search for our Memory Tube by Scintilla channel on YouTube. And thank you very much for listening and see you next week.